Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. And uh, the season we're in now is we're talking about building lives that have impact, building lives that can, that can endure, building lives that can overcome, building lives that are not going to be shaken by, by you know, whatever happens that the enemy might stir up. You know, back in Oklahoma where I was born, they had a 5.2 earthquake this morning. And it was felt all the way to Kansas. And everybody was freaking out. And that's very, it's a very small earthquake. But, but they had an earthquake in Oklahoma. And, and, and again, but things will be shaken. Look, look at your neighbor say, it's going to get shaken. And it's going to get bacon. <laughs> I mean, it's, the world is not necessarily a nice place, but, but we are nice people. And we've been put in this world to go make a difference. And the only way that we can ever fulfill the fullness of what God wants us to do is if we build strong, healthy lives. And so we spent the month of January talking about foundations. You know, there's some bedrock. There's things we got to tie into. we got to get to a place where the foundations are good. Because you can't do anything without the foundation. But now in the month of February, we're, we're talking about the next phase, and that is the framework. After you get the foundation laid, you start to put the framing up. And our, our verse that we're, we're spending time on is, is 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. And it talks about, you know, that if you build on the foundation with, with you know, gold or sticks or wood or whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is they're all going to get tested by fire. They're all going to get tested for their eternal impact. And if what you have built on has no eternal impact, it, it, it really isn't to your reward. It's just, you know, fluff. And it may look pretty and it may look nice and it may have been enjoyable. And that's not bad. It just doesn't have any eternal value. Well, who wants to live a life like that? Seriously, I don't want to live a life like that. And I don't think you do either. I know the online family doesn't. What we want to have is lives that can get tested in the eternal judgment and be seen as valuable and important. Which brings us to the framing. Now, last week we talked about two, 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 we talked about two types of things we all need. One is wisdom, the other is understanding. Wisdom being knowing what to do, understanding being knowing when, where, and how to do it. You need both. You don't just need the, 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 the what to do. You've got to know all the application things. And they're equally important. And they help us to, to do better. And if you, if you didn't catch that sermon, I encourage you to go online and catch up. But this week, I want to talk about another key component to framing your future. And that is this thing called self-control. Yeah, that, that nasty self-control. You notice I didn't teach this during Christmas week or Thanksgiving. I, I you know, would have felt too hypocritical. <laughs> it's, it's there. I mean, is there, is there a human being that hasn't struggled at some point with self-control in some area of your life? No, we all have that issue. But the, the challenge is self-control is essential. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, imagine the context of the time when this was written, that, that if you didn't have walls around your city, your enemies just came and took whatever you had. They, they, they put you in slavery. Now, if you didn't have walls, you had no protection. You were just, you, you were simply, you know, dead meat, as they say. 
And that's the consequence of not having self-control. The enemy can come and rob and kill and destroy, and we don't have the defenses to fight him. You know, even in the New Testament, in Titus 1.8, it says, Be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Uh, Titus 2.6 says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled or to live wisely. Apparently, older men don't have to do that. That's only something younger men have to do. <laughs> I don't, that's not a correct interpretation. What, what it's saying is sometimes younger men have passions, right? That, you know, they, they don't have discretion yet. And so the, the writer is urging young men to be self-controlled. Don't let your passions take control of you. And then we got 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That's interesting that, that we can pray, but if we're not self-controlled, our prayers might not be as effective. Kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? So let's talk about being self-controlled. And, and, and where does God want us to be self-controlled? Well, there, there are at least five areas that every single human being struggles with. And there's five areas that God wants us to, to, to gain greater mastery of. You know, things that, that, that will not, you know, be a burden to us, but, but they'll actually be a blessing. And these things are, are, are easy to understand. They're thoughts. Say thoughts. They're emotions. Say emotions. They're conversations. Say conversations. Finances. And health. Yeah, don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just picking today, I guess. But, but you look at that list and you realize two of those are internal, thoughts and emotions. You know, those are things that nobody sees but you. Well, that's not always true either, but, but, but you know what I'm saying. And three tend to be external behaviors or practices, conversations, finances, and, and health, how we live our lives. And, and why are these five that I believe are absolutely critical? Well, let's talk about thoughts. Joyce Meyer wrote a book some years ago, and it's still on the bestseller list in some places, called Battlefield of the Mind. Boy, have you ever struggled with contrary thoughts? One second you think one thing, and another second you think something else? You know, that, that, that's, that's it. And learning to direct our thoughts towards the positive is essential to living successful lives. You meditate on the negative, you meditate on fear, you meditate on what you don't have, you meditate on what they did to you. And it is a recipe for disaster. You know, it says this in Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. An out-of-control mind is a mind focused on destruction. You don't need the devil to destroy you. You will destroy yourself. Smile at me. <laughs> I mean, I just that's, that, that's what happens. And I'll, you know, just one of the things. So let's talk about emotions. Why do we need to control our emotions? I'm not a stoic. I don't believe emotions are bad. They're, they're not. Emotions are real. You have them. You have feelings. You shouldn't deny your feelings. But just because an emotion is real does not mean it's based on reality. I mean, I, have you ever been mad at somebody for something they did and they really didn't do it? <laughs> have you ever made somebody mad for something they accused you of doing and you didn't actually do it? Just, just saying that. I mean, uh, it, it, it's, an, 
It's there, okay? They are not necessarily good or bad, but when our emotions are out of control, they can become toxic and self-destructive. Anybody watch the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens football game last weekend? If you didn't, it was a very close game. I mean, honestly, Baltimore outplayed Kansas City. What was different between the two teams is Baltimore's players were out of control. They, they, they made stupid penalty after stupid penalty. They hit Patrick Mahomes in the head three times. Got three very serious penalties. They had a, they had a taunting penalty. Who taunts when you're an adult? Uh, you, you know, it's, what, what, what a silly thing to do. I mean, let me just make this statement. An adult who allows their emotions to direct their decision isn't really an adult. They are a child inhabiting an adult's body. <laughs> Anybody ever been a kid at 45 or 55 or 61? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are times you, you feel it and it makes you mad and you go do something stupid and all you're doing is behaving like a middle schooler. And that's not how God wants you to live. You know, God wants you to live as a fully formed follower of Christ. And yes, we have emotions, but, 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 but the goal of this whole thing is if we have self-control, it allows us to acknowledge and process our feelings in healthy ways without allowing them to poison our lives. That's the benefit of self-control of our emotions. Let's talk about conversations. Our words have creative and destructive power. They can build up and tear down. They can release blessings or curses over ourselves and others. And learning to control our tongues is critical to loosing prosperity, both in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Ain't that the truth? And those who love to talk <laughs> will reap the consequences. Colossians, Paul's writing to this church, and it says, Live wisely among those who are not believers, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive, so that you will have the right response for everyone. Are we trying to save the world or not? Well, four people have got it on. But, you know, I don't know. We were supposed to save the world. Oh, Jesus saved the world. No, he's supposed to empower us to go into the darkness and bring light. But if our conversations are not full of light, if they're full of darkness, we're just indulging our own emotions and our own thoughts and our own whatever. You want to be successful in life? You better learn how to speak graciously. Do I always do this? No. That's why it's in the sermon today. I'm preaching to myself. It, but if we can exercise some self-control, we'll find that we can still the waters that are all stirred up. We'll become peacemakers. We'll become revealers of truth with love. We're, we're not easily offended. We're able to heal, to bridge. We have open doors where people will come to us and say, will you please talk to me about this Jesus? Because he seems to have totally changed your life. You seem to be able to deal with stuff that I can't deal with. How come you don't get messed up? And you go, because my God is here. But the, the open door is a consequence of our conversations. 
And then there's this verse in Proverbs that I absolutely hate. Uh, the, the staff thought I should have it mounted on my office, and it says this, talk, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you don't see that on a motivational poster, do you? <laughs> I just, you know, there's always some kind of little, it's going to be happy, you know, and demand, be, be sensible, you know, keep your mouth shut. It's uh, it's a... Uh, It's there. So self-control of our words is absolutely critical to living a strong and a healthy life. Not saying too much. And that is one of the things I honestly struggle with. Let's talk about finances. There's this passage in Deuteronomy where God is speaking to Moses to share with the children of Israel. They're they're, they're leaving slavery. They're leaving bondage. and, And it says this, there should be no poor among you. Can I get an amen here? For the Lord, will, your God, will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. There should be no poor among us. Well, then why are there some poor people? It's a good question, isn't it? Now, I know that, you know, times there's stuff that's completely out of our control. But sometimes we're the ones that are out of control. Sometimes we're the ones that can't say no to impulse buying, or we can't say no to, to, to silly investing. Uh, you know, we can't say no to, to all kinds of things. We can't say no to, to medicating our, our hurts with a credit card. Come on, I, I speak of that with great authority. I have done that. I, I went through my 20s feeling bad about myself and buying really expensive suits and an expensive car and expensive dinners and picking up the tab whenever I went out with people because I was a high roller with a high credit limit and a high credit card balance. And I had, to, I had to get healed and set free from that because it was an internal issue because I had no self-control. And it made me poor no matter how much I earned. I once met a man that owned 32 houses who had worked for 25 years as a janitor for the state of Missouri Highway Department. Drove a Mercedes to work, would get out of his Mercedes and put on coveralls, change his shoes, and then he would work all day cleaning toilets at the roadside park between Missouri and Oklahoma. Come back to work, take off his coveralls, put them in a box and get back into his Mercedes and drive to one of his 32 houses. And I looked at him and I said, why in the world are you doing this job? He goes, I got a pension coming. And when I hit 30, when I hit 30, I'm out of here. But he said, I'm not too proud to clean. And I'm thinking, like, you could hire a man to do your job for you. I mean, it's, but, but it isn't the income that you earn. It's what you do with it. And the reality is that if you don't have self-control with your money, you are never going to have enough. And part of money is realizing that, that, that what God wants us to do is use it to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And in Luke 16, 9, it says this, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources, this is Christ talking, to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, meaning money, you will be faithful in large ones. And if you're dishonest in little things, you will not be honest with greater responsibilities. I can only speak from my own personal experience that when I became a Christian in 1982, I didn't give up a lot of things that I probably should have given up very quickly, but the first thing God got a hold of me on was giving and finances. And I don't know why, but somehow writing that tithe check every week, even when I was broke, 
kept me centered and connected to God. It just did something. And honestly, three years later, when I finally sobered up sort of metaphorically and came to my senses and sort of adopted Dave Ramsey principles before there was a Dave Ramsey, you know, God had something to work with. And I had something to work with because I'd sown a lot of seeds. I tell people that where your treasure is, there also is your heart. And if you're not sowing into the kingdom, if you're not sowing into other people, your heart is messed up. I'm not saying that out of guilt or shame. I'm just speaking it because it's in the word of God. And it's important for us to do that. You see, God wants us to be prosperous, but he doesn't want our prosperity to, to be a burden. Proverbs says this in 10.22, the blessings of the Lord make a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You guys know some miserable rich people? I do, but that's not God. That's fake wealth. Real wealth is you've got enough for your needs and enough to share, and you can see them as a blessing from God. So that's finances. And the last one I want to talk about this morning is health. How many of you know the verse in the New Testament says, you know, I will, you know, buffet my body, meaning I will, you know, I will you know, take captive my, my, how many of you have ever interpreted that as buffet? <laughs> I, just, I just thought, I, you know, I read it a few times, I, I will buffet my body, I'm good, I'm down a king, or a sizzler and golden corral, you know, good, bring that on, man, I, I, <laughs> I like a buffet. Uh, a, we were in college, a bunch of us, and we went to this place, it was an all-you-can-eat barbecue fried chicken restaurant. Yeah, yeah, we made ourselves sick. I, I, <laughs> I, ate, <clears throat> I ate 32 pieces of fried chicken. And then laid on the floor like a snake that had swallowed an elephant and just kind of, you know, just sort of laid there because, you know, my buddy Rick, he went, he, he, he ate three racks of ribs and, a, and a, seriously, and fried chicken and barbecue because we were having an eating contest and he buried me. He ate, and then he went home and he didn't move for I don't know how long. And, and, and he was the one that led me to the Lord. So I was following in the steps of my, uh, of my role model. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you need a different role model. I, I, God bless you, Rick, if you're watching, but that was, that was, we never did that again. I, I just, but, but the point of it is, just because, you're not sick necessarily because you're undisciplined in your health, but if you're undisciplined in your health, you will be sick. I mean, there's, you know, if, if we eat wrong, if we don't exercise, and by exercise, you don't need to run a marathon, you need to walk, amen? You don't need to bench press 500 pounds, you need to be able to pick up a can of beans. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not complicated stuff, but, but the exercise, the diet, the nutrition, the healthy habits of being around people who, who are supporting you, if we don't have self-control in our health issues, we're just going to be a mess, and I'm not saying this to condemn anybody because I am as guilty as anybody of, of wavering at times in each of these five areas. So the question, though, is not how messed up Pastor Reese is. The, the, the question is, how do we all help each other to get better? And so there's three things I want to share with you this morning that, that, that I believe are action plans. First of all is you've got to stop relying exclusively on yourself. If you could fix you, you'd be a lot better off already. All right, I mean, seriously, Philippians 2.12 says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now I am, I am away. It is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. Say that, God, God. 
is working in me, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. All right? It's, it's a spiritual thing. And you got to say, okay, God, I need your help. You know, 12-step programs that actually work always have a component where you invite God to be the one who helps you get sober or healthy or free or whatever. I mean, they are, because we need that. But we also need each other. You know, there are times you need to be in a small group studying the Bible because you won't study the Bible unless you're in the small group. <laughs> you need to come to a group prayer meeting because you won't pray sitting right at home. What you'll do is watch Facebook or Netflix or Reels or whatever. You're going to waste your time. You know it. I know it. Your wife knows it. Your husband knows it. The neighbor looking in the window knows it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Ken, I don't look in your windows, I promise. <laughs> All right. But 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 that's that's one of the things that the church can do, provide a platform where we can actually help one another. It's the same with exercise. Mike, sorry to pick on you this morning. Remember before my body failed me when we were both younger and handsomer and hurt less and we used to run every Saturday morning? And yeah, you I, I had hair a little bit. I had one tuft right there. Just <laughs> But, but Mike and I were part of a men's accountability group. We ran together every Saturday morning. We used to do between five and ten miles. We did a couple of half marathons together. We did 5Ks together. And I cannot tell you the number of Saturday mornings I would wake up like 6.30 or 7 and going, I don't want to go. And then I thought, oh, Mike will be there. Oh, gosh, I hate Mike. And, uh, <laughs> I, would, and I would show up just, and you'd stagger in just like I would, going, how do you feel? I feel awful. What do you think? It's 8 o'clock in the morning. It's 20 degrees. And we're out here on the Highline Canal running like a couple of morons. But we ran. We ran. And it was good for us, wasn't it? You know, walking, finding places that you can be accountable. And you, you know, um, it's just, it's, our health is that. So, so stop thinking you can do it on your own. We're not meant to be alone. Invite God into your situation. And invite people into your situation. Or, or invite yourself into some groups that exist. I guarantee you, people will like you. You know, there's nothing I like more than being in the gym and seeing people trying to start a health program, I look at them and say, you go, you go. You may, you know, you're trying to make a difference. You're taking a walk. You're walking on a treadmill. Good job. You know, celebrate you. I don't care about the buff, jacked up people. I mean, half of them are, are emotionally, <laughs> that's a different sermon. I'm not going to go down that path. But, but, I mean, at some point, you, you, you can make your body an idol. And, you know, can't you? So, well, I just want my body to function. I just want it to work for as long as I'm on this planet. So stop relying exclusively on yourself. Number two, own your weaknesses and stop them before they grow worse. James 1, 13 to 15, temptation comes from our own desires. Ain't that the pits? <laughs> and, and which entice us and draw us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow... It gives birth to death. Intellectual death, emotional death, conversational death, financial death, physical death. It's easier to fix a problem before it gets big. We were in a really good men's breakfast one time. Uh, Dr. Ken and some others helped put it together, and we had a, a, a speaker who had, was talking about their personal experience of coming through addiction and, 
and recovery. And somebody said, well, I heard that people don't really get set free until they hit rock bottom. And this guy very wisely said, you're absolutely right. It's just everybody's rock bottom is different. Some people wise up up here and say, hey, you know, I'm digging myself in a hole. I'm going to stop. And their recovery is relatively easy compared to the people who have to dig themselves really deep into the ground until they're so far down it takes them a lot longer to recover. I mean, and and again, it's, it's up to us. Do we want to get healthy or not? Do we want to get financially stable or not? Do we want to get emotionally mature or not? Do we want to, I mean, and again, I'm not condemning, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying all of these things take self-control. And at some point you own it and you say, you know, Reese, you got to stay away from cookies. (laughs) So I went to the gym yesterday morning, it was snowing, I left a little bit early, I decided to stop at Panera Bread and work on my sermon because they get free refills on diet sodas and coffee. And, so, and there's also tons of people who look like me at Panera Bread. I'm not sure why, because it's probably the free refills. But I get up to the thing, and, and the guy goes, okay, we're putting your order in. Thank you for your soda. Hey, did you know that you have a free cookie you've earned? <laughs> what kind of cookies have I earned? Well, any cookie. Look over here. Aww. And it's free? Yeah, it's free. Ah, and I hereby confess that I ordered a kitchen sink cookie. (laughs) And as I'm eating it, I'm going, well, this is not that good. However, it did disappear. (laughs) And I'm on this low carb kind of thing, and I'm looking at it going, wonder how many carbs were in that. And of course, God goes, you really want to know? No, I don't want to know. I'll do something different. We all have those moments, but don't kick yourself. Own the fact that, that, that you have some weaknesses and you need to deal with it. And the third thing is the final thing I want to share with you is you got to stir up your self-control. That seems odd, doesn't it? And yet, when you, you go to Paul's letter to Timothy, the second letter, in 1, 5 through 7, you're very familiar with this, many of you. It says, I remember your genuine faith, Timothy. I'm talking to you. For you, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. And this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Sound mind, some can say, but a sound mind is equating in some areas of self-discipline. We can, it's, a, it's a spiritual thing. And you got to stir it up. you got to call on it. you got to say, God, I know I can be disciplined in my thoughts. I know I can be disciplined in my emotions. I know I can be disciplined in my conversations. I know I can be disciplined with my money. I know I can stop knocking this thing off. I, I know that my health can get better. But i got to stir it up. And, and then you have Colossians 3.10. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Your new nature is disciplined. Did you know that? Your new nature is amazing. It's a beautiful framework that will let you build something that is eternal. And so with that, I just want to pray, number one, that there's a fresh anointing of discipline that comes upon us as people of God. And two, that we are motivated to stir up the gifts that we have 
the anointing of God, that, that we begin to, to rely on him and to reach out to others and that we begin to own our, our areas because nobody's perfect. I mean, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for improvement. Amen? And we want to get better no matter what our age, no matter where we're at, no matter what our struggles. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but there is encouragement and there is truth that will set us free if we're willing to walk on it. Will you just, will you just stand with me, just in reverence to the presence of God? And uh, if you're here with somebody and they're comfortable, would you put your hand on on the person you're with, or, or maybe there's a friend on, beside you, just but but and begin to pray for them. And what we're praying is that number one, they have a fresh infilling of the of the power of the Holy Spirit for self control. I mean, everybody needs us. Everybody. Everybody needs this. And two, that they are motivated to, to, to stir up this thing, to stir up this gift, to, to, to go, you know something? I, 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 need to, I need to stir up the self-control that's in me by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's there. I've got it. I can control this stuff. I don't have to, to be blown all over the place because something didn't go right. And so, Father, I pray that. I pray that for Pastor Bree. I pray that for myself. I pray that for all of our pastors, all of our elders and leaders. I pray it for our families. I pray it for our visitors. I pray it for our online community. I pray it for our in-person community. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fall in a fresh outpouring of discipline and, and power and love and compassion, that, we're, that we're, we're filled and are being filled, and that we walk out of here remembering that we can own our problems and not be overwhelmed. We can own our problems, but not be overwhelmed. That we don't have to face these things alone. We've got you with us and we can reach out to people, but we got to stir it up. And so we stir it up. We stir ourselves up. We stir our, we just stir it up. We say in Jesus's name. And I mean, just begin to, begin to call on the name of the Lord and Holy Spirit, show us how we can encourage ourselves. That we can encourage ourselves, God. You know something? The greater one is in us. Oh man, greater one is in me. I don't have to be bound to this. I'm not a slave to any sin. I can overcome these things by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I thank you, God. We're just stirring up these gifts, stirring up these gifts, stirring up this self-control. And if there's any guilt or shame that would try to come in, I bind it. I bind it, I bind it, I bind it, I bind it in Jesus' name. I don't have to be guilty. I don't have to be ashamed. I just have to repent. And that my sins are, are washed from me. And they're washed from everybody in this room and everybody online. And anyone who prays to you, God, you cleanse them and you lift them and you strengthen them. And that is, man, that is our goal, to be cleansed, lifted, and strengthened. Help us take control of our, our, our thoughts. Help us take control of our emotions. Help us take control of our, our conversations, our words. Help us take control of our finances. And help us to walk in divine health, supernatural health. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.